This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 630, Comic Talk. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 630. It's a new uh, Comic Talk episode. Uh, this episode is coming up uh, much, much, much later than originally anticipated. Um, uh, to my uh, to my listener, AJ, you might want to take the next 30 seconds to not listen to what I'm about to say. I'm about to uh, apologize for a delay in the schedule. Um, I remember in the past, AJ was like, no one actually cares about the schedule but you. And this is absolutely true. But uh, I always kind of have a, an internal schedule of when I like episodes to drop. And... Uh, Last episode was on the uh, 28th of October. Sorry, 28th of October. Jesus. Uh, the 28th of, uh, of November, which is now a week and a half before this one. Uh, at the time, I was like, okay, I'm going to have the next episode at 6.30. It's going to come out. I'm finally going to talk about uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, otherwise known as Wreck-It Ralph 2, uh, with my wife and maybe with my son, because we saw it on uh, the weekend of release, which was the weekend uh, prior. Um, and then it just kind of never materialized. And I was like, okay, we're going to do an episode. We're going to do an episode. And it just kind of never happened. And then I was sick for a week, and I was like, okay, Okay, eventually the podcast is going to come back. We're going to do an episode, and it just never happened. So, uh, for the next few days, you're going to get an episode almost every day. Uh, so, this is Sunday the 9th, so you're going to get episode 630. On Monday the 10th, you're going to get episode 631. Uh, episode 632 is going to be on the 11th. And then on the 12th, we have 633, which will be the reviews for the week of December 5th releases, uh, which is more or less on time for that one, at least. But everything else up to it will just kind of be jammed together to kind of get back, get us back on schedule. Uh, and then the episode after that would end up being, I guess, what, 634. Um, and that would be... Try to think uh, the uh, Spider Verse, Spider Man into the Spider Verse uh, review discussion, uh, which would probably be recorded on the 14th and then go up on the 15th or so. So we'll be uh, back on target by then. So uh, for the next four days, you're going to have a lot of comic shenanigans, not long episodes, probably 10 to 15 minutes each episode. Um, actually, I should take that back. Episode 632 is over an hour. Um, that's actually an interview episode. But uh, today's episode is a comic talk episode. So. Um, Actually, it was recently my birthday, so November 29th, I turned 35 years old, and uh, so I got a, a few comic book-related presents. In fact, I got three uh, that I thought I would just quickly chat about. Um, but first, I haven't actually had a chance to read that, but I'm really excited about it. It's uh, The Comic Book Story of Baseball. Uh, it's by Alex Irvine, with art by Tom Coker and C.P. Smith. Um, so when I, when, I, when I got this, so this was actually a gift for my wife, uh, so she knows I'm a huge fan of baseball. So this year, this book came out, and it's, uh, it it's, it's basically a graphic novel, but... Uh, uh, telling the history of baseball, and it's you know it, it's it looks pretty cool. I haven't had a chance to read it all yet, but I'm really excited about it. And so when I looked at it, when I first kind of got it, I had had it on an Amazon wish list because it looked cool, but I hadn't really looked into the creators involved. Um, and then once I did, I was actually more impressed or and excited about um, what who was actually the one writing it. Um, so it's written by Alex Irvine. So. I have written other things he's done in the past. He's, he's a fiction writer, um, but he's also done a few comic books here and there. Uh, so he actually did uh, Daredevil, Daredevil Noir, 
which I recently talked about on a prior episode, and I absolutely love Daredevil Noir. And so, um, actually, he said he would actually do the show hopefully in January. We're gonna I'm gonna have him on to interview him about the comic book story of baseball. But uh, and I mean, obviously, he's done a lot of other works and other licensed work as well. But the things I'm gonna want to talk to him about probably the most is gonna be obviously the comic book story of baseball, his most recent work. Uh, but also, uh, I'm gonna want to ask him about uh, working on Daredevil Noir because that was again something that was hugely like I just absolutely love that. So, um, so when I saw that, I'm like, okay, okay, that's pretty cool. And then I was like, okay, well, it's illustrated by Tom Coker. Why do I know that name? Um, so I kind of looked it up and said, okay, where's Tom Coker from, or what would I know that he's worked on in comics? And of course, he was the uh, the artist on Daredevil Noir. <laughs> so I was like, wow, okay, this is pretty cool. Like, you know, it's the creative team behind a book that I absolutely loved, uh, working on the, this comic book story, of baseball, which is really cool. Um, so that was, you know, so I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I'm really excited. And again, it kind of draws together things I love. Uh, it draws together baseball with comic books and uh, what could be you know, a more intriguing match for me and it is interesting too because I have said before that you know my wife you know knows I love comics but she's not necessarily looking to buy me comic books for my birthday or my Christmas presents or that kind of stuff. There, Although there was a year where she picked up all the miniseries from Image that Jonathan Hickman had done up until that point and uh, she joked that for a, a long while after that uh, Amazon just kept uh, asking her, are you sure you don't want more Jonathan Hickman? And she's like, stop this, Amazon. I don't want this. <laughs> That's because of my husband. I don't want this. Um, which was always very funny to me. Um, C.P. Smith, who also worked on this comic book story of baseball, uh, he was the penciler on Wolverine, Wolverine Noir, which, again, is something else I recently talked about on the podcast when I talked about all the noir books. So, uh, And, of course, the two books I loved the most were Daredevil Noir and Wolverine Noir. So, the fact that, so that made me laugh. That you know the primary artistic team here is the guys who did Daredevil Noir and um, and Wolverine Noir, two Wolverine, uh, sorry, two Noir books that I really really enjoy. So uh, I'm hoping sometime in the in the new year I'll be able to get. I know I'm probably going to be able to get Alex on. Hopefully I can get Tom and CP as well. It'd be nice to have the entire creative team at some point from this comic book story baseball on it. But uh, so far it's pretty cool. And again, I've I've started reading through it. It's uh, it's really intriguing in terms of you know what, how it kind of breaks things down and what it's focusing on and the way that it uses the graphics and and it's not you know it's not just your your standard book but they use kind of the graphic novel medium to tell a story but also like kind of you know to focus on some of the kind of key names and people in the game and someone you would expect some you would expect to see focused on and maybe some others not as much so really excited to kind of really dive into this and so i'm very appreciative to my wife for picking this up for me um now from uh both uh nate who's been on the show before uh, nathan struck and paul scora is my brother-in-law who's also been on the show uh between the two of them i also got um some uh, some really hefty thick collections that I'm really excited about. Uh, it's interesting to actually get them at the same time. So one of them is uh, Hulk by Mark Wade and Jerry Duggan, uh, complete collection, which was I was super pumped to get this. I believe this was from Paul. Um, now this was a run I absolutely loved uh, when it happened. Um, it kind of. I always felt like it didn't really get the ending it deserved. It kind of got this weird truncated ending because you had Secret Warrior, Secret Wars was happening. So they kind of just had to get everything fixed up and, and finished. And then when we eventually got the Hulk again, it was a very different version of the Hulk um, because it was Amadeus Cho. And, and then it was just kind of showing that, you know, Bruce Banner wasn't going to be the Hulk anymore. And so this is kind of a, a forgotten period of the Hulk now. Um, now, the actual trade itself is it's actually pretty big. Um, and I don't know if this is the only one that's done this recently. And because I, I just, I, 
don't have the knowledge to know this for sure. Um, it's intriguing because on it, like it, it has a, um, a cover where you have Scar and the Hulk are fighting, and you have the Hulk kind of name in the upper left hand corner. But it's on a kind of a white background, so there's a, a small uh, white box around the uh, the image and in that white at the bottom then you is where you actually have the bark by mark wade and jerry duggan complete collection marvel um kind of little banner at the bottom but so it's a, basically a white cover with an image on it but it's just a little outline of the border that you see that's actually in white and then on the spine it's fully white and then in big like kind of purple letters you just have hulk and then and then slightly smaller font by mark wade and jerry duggan complete collection and then the other book that i'll talk about has a very similar spine that they actually go together really well but they kind of stand out from everything else on my shelf that doesn't have white spines usually marvel books have black spines um so just interesting and i'm not sure if this is maybe if i haven't been buying a lot of complete collections lately and maybe this is how they come now um so i'm I'm not sure but i i mean i I liked it i I thought it was a cool look but it's just not what i expected uh when i first got it um but again it's a it's a cool looking book um, it does make me want to go back and buy the Indestructible Hulk by Mark Wade complete collection because it would kind of butt up exactly, you know, right up to this. In fact, you know, I feel like there's a good chance that by the time I'm done this podcast, I might have purchased it. <laughs> uh, we'll think. Oh, I'm going to see. Actually, looking at it, interesting. So, looking at it um, on Amazon, I can actually it actually shows you know shows me the cover to the by Mark Wade complete collection Indestructible Hulk, uh, and you can actually see that it is does look like it's also on a white background, and in the bottom corner, um, just like this one, it just says by, by Mark Wade and then complete collection. So those would actually look pretty good together. I don't know if the spines would match necessarily, but I hadn't thought, I hadn't even thought of that. You know, I. I Got some money for my birthday. I don't think anyone knows I want this. And uh, by the end of this podcast, it's <laughs> completely possible that I might have bought this. There's only one left in stock at the moment on Amazon.ca. So by the time, you know, if you go check this on Sunday evening, if you've downloaded this and listened to it the day of release, you might find out that, oh, he's already done this. Um, I'm really thinking about this because Indestructible Hulk was a fun book. It actually goes really well with, you know, this Hulk collection because you have the same characters kind of being... Um, you know, forwarded on. So I'm, I'm really thinking about this. I might have to pick this up uh, right now. Uh, it wouldn't be, it would not be the first time that in the middle of a podcast I bought something that I talked about. I remember a couple years ago uh, with John Red Thomas, we were talking about how uh, I believe it was the Steve Ditko, Doctor Strange on of us might go out of print, and uh, he was like, "It's if you can find it for a good price, buy it." And Amazon.ca had it as a good price, and I bought it. And uh, while we were talking about it, and by the end of the episode, I was like, "Well, I bought that, so thanks for uh, recommending that." Um, Actually, speaking of that book, it's funny. So it's actually, it's one of those things where it never really did go out of print. Um, in fact, it's at super low price now. Like if you can go on, I mean, I, I, I think everything Canadian prices, but Amazon.ca has the Doctor Strange Omnibus Volume 1 for, you know, $56, which is nuts. I mean, I got it for what I, you know, at the time was still a good price compared to list price. Um, I'm trying to think exactly what I paid for it. I paid $68 plus tax, which is pretty great at the time and uh and yet now it's you know 13 dollars less but the list price is still 95 like it's still a good deal either way it is interesting like you can never really know i i mean i i don't speak for amazon.com because obviously i don't i don't use that because i'm in toronto so i use um amazon.ca but it's interesting that the some of the prices on amazon.ca are constantly fluctuating and like crazy degrees like they're just there's no such thing as kind of a static number and over time they might go down or might, they might go up and it depends where the dollar is but it's just a, a really weird thing to watch happening 
Um, and it's hard to kind of keep track of it. Uh, Eric Anthony from the Cave of Solitude podcast, or as my wife would say lovingly, the Cave of Solitude podcast, uh, would you know probably attest to that that you know we see prices going going, going up and down over all over the place. Um, looking at it, it looks like in the U.S. Uh, you guys have Doctor Strange on of us volume one for sixty one bucks, but it's not through Amazon; it's through other sellers. Uh, with maybe additional shipping as well. So it's interesting that technically it's easier to get in Canada. Uh, that doesn't always happen, um, but in, in, it appears to be the case in here. So getting back to the actual volume, now that I've just completely rambled, um, why do I love this run by Mark Wade and Jerry Duggan so much? Well, it's one of those things where when it was first coming out, I was really thinking about getting it. Uh, like I, I had bought it, and or I, and I think I'd read someone else's singles maybe. I was going to buy it in trade paperback, but... Uh, the prices, again, seemed to fluctuate, and I just kind of forgot about it, and it seemed like I could never really get all of it. And uh, this is collecting the whole kid and caboodle. And this is the kind of the short-lived Doc Green uh, period. Uh, it all starts with Bruce Banner basically having been shot in the head, um, and that's affecting you know his, his mind. He's basically lobotomized or the idea that he's... You know, he's not smart anymore at first, um, and he turns into Hulk, and, like, you know, the Hulk and, and, and uh, Banner's brain are not really working out so well together. What it eventually leads to is a smarter version of the Hulk, smarter than ever before, uh, which is very different, uh, what we're used to getting. Uh, what you also get here is a one-shot, sorry, not a one-shot, um, uh, what's it called, uh, a miniseries um, that was part of the... what. Trying to remember all this. Oh, you know what? I forgot about this. It's I believe it's Extremis that fixes Bruce Bruce Banner's uh, his mind. Um, at the time, he had Arno Stark and Tony Stark, and they're able to kind of fix um, Bruce Banner's mind, and it ends up making him a, a brilliant version of the Hulk. But before you even get that, after the first few issues here by Mark Wade, you go into the original Sin three point one to three point four issues, uh, which is with artwork by Mark Bagley. And the original Sin wasn't great, but this was actually a pretty good. Um, this was a pretty good series, basically just confront, having certain hidden secrets between the Hulk and Tony, and uh, which is very in- intriguing and interesting. Definitely shadows and and uh, colors their relationship in an interesting way. And then you go right back into uh, you know Hulk stories, but it's it's a different version of the Hulk. The because Hulk is you know becomes known as Doc Green, and um, you know he's a very smart guy, and he ends up basically trying to like you know take Gamma. Gamma rays away from all the other gamma powered uh, enemy, uh, sorry, enemies and heroes, and he kind of goes around. And he ends up like depowering uh, Scar, uh, Red She Hulk, like everybody. It's a very interesting and fun adventure. Um, I really, the only bad thing about Mark Wade's, uh, not Mark Wade, uh, Mark Bakley's art at times, and uh, this is something I won't often say, is that uh, he does tend to make people a little skinnier and not as bulky and large. So when you do have like kind of the strongest version of the Hulk, he doesn't always look like he could be as strong as he as he should be, but he definitely is, and uh, it, it, it definitely bears out fairly well. Um, and it's all leading up to the idea that you know Bruce Banner's dying. It's exceptionally well written it's sad that it feels truncated it feels like it didn't get maybe the proper ending um but it's a great read so i'm really excited to kind of read this again having it on my bookshelf and uh you know who knows maybe quickly having indestructible hulk on my bookshelf as well it's just an interesting version of the hulk jerry duggan really had a great interpretation of where to take the character obviously mark wade is mark wade and really knew how to kind of write the character as well it's interesting too because 
it's such a different period of the Hulk, but at the same time, it's maybe not that different because it's not like we hadn't seen Hulk on a team before or, or have a smart version of the Hulk before when we had Professor Hulk back in the '90s. So, um, but this was just a you know a different interpretation. I mean, Indestructible Hulk was already such an interesting idea where you had Hulk basically being deputized, working for Shield, and uh, in exchange, you know, Banner was kind of working there as well, uh, and then he could go on missions, and that was cool, and that was like a different. I mean, you have to remember it all kind of came about because you had. You know, you have a Hulk in the Avengers movie who's part of a team and working together, and so they kind of had to, you know, maybe tell different types of Hulk stories. It's interesting because right now we have such a vastly different version of the Hulk right now where you have the immortal Hulk where it's like a weird curse where, you know, he dies and he gets, you know, he comes back and he's kind of coming back as a Hulk at night now, and, and that's kind of Hulk's time. Like, it's so interesting and in that it's so different than what we had had for years. Um, like if you just look at all the different weird Hulk runs, like before, I'm trying to remember before Indestructible, didn't we have the Jason Aaron Hulk? And that was a weird, weird time. Uh, Jason Aaron's done a lot of amazing stuff, but I would not put his Hulk run up there. Um, trying to remember after Secret Wars, yeah, we had Amadeus Cho as Hulk, which was I really liked. Uh, it was when they started making it so that Amadeus Cho's version of the Hulk was kind of a not as much of a happy thing for him and more of a. A curse. Then I was I kind of checked out mentally a little because I thought that was what made Amadeus Cho's version of the Hulk so much more interesting because he was a different type of the Hulk. You weren't constrained to the same type of stories you were before. The same kind of level of darkness. The idea that it was you know uh, him managing his his own anger and his grief and all these things that kind of percolated within the Bruce Banner character and, and created the Hulk. Instead, you had this this young guy. He thought Hulk being was the cool Hulk being the Hulk was the coolest thing in the world. Um, and then when they kind of started peeling that part away i was less interested because it's less of what made him so cool and different um if i i had a year like you know how many years has bruce banner been the hulk like 50 years like in 50 years of of hulk stories that you know were about this guy dealing with this thing that was a curse and finally it was someone dealing with something that was a gift and that was cool and then they kind of took that away and then i was uh, less interested by the end of kind of amadeus's run as the hulk and now he's Kind of just, I forget what his new name is now, even, but it's a whole different thing. Anyway, so that's Hulk by Mark Wade and Jerry Duggan. So I'm really excited to kind of really pour into that. Uh, and last but not least, I got uh, Mutant X, the complete collection, volume one, which I'm very excited to be able to reread again. Um, this is, I mean, this is such a, a weird, but fun, weird. I, I don't know how many times I can say weird, but I can say it a lot. Um, this is by Howard Mackey, most of it. If you look at it, it's the complete collection of Mutant X, not the ill-fated TV show by Fox when they couldn't use the X-Men word and said use Mutant X instead. Um, this is collecting issues 1 to 17 in annual 1999, so presumably there would only be one more volume to collect the rest of the uh, Mutant X issues. Um, although I'm curious, actually, how many issues... Because I'm trying to think, how many issues did Mutant X even go for? Because this is a pretty thick, handsome volume, and they wouldn't do it this thick if, if they didn't have to. If, I mean, this, you kind of feel like there's got to be a volume two. I don't think they've announced it in any way. Unlike um, Spider-Girl, which has had a volume two kind of announced, but that's a long, long-running book, whereas this is, you know, this is a shorter book. So I guess I had 32 issues. Oh, I guess that's decent. So you have issues one to 17, and you have, what, annual 1999. So that leaves uh, two more annuals, and I guess the remaining, what, 15 issues? All right, so that's, you know, they're, they're, they're both pretty handsome volumes then so this series originally started in october 1998 um i remember i 
think it's even on the first issue here. Yeah, you have this ga- double you know, double gatefold cover, wraparound cover, I guess it's the proper term. And it was a collector's item first issue. You used to see a lot of these banners in late 98. Um, and it's trapped in a world of darkness. Alex Summers is mutant X. Fear him, fear for him. And ostensibly, this is part of the uh, the X Men 35th anniversary. Um, it's crazy to think that that was the 35th anniversary. That was 20 years ago. Uh, so it's the X Men 55th anniversary. Um, for those, I think I, I did an X Men um, flashback episode once where I looked at books from '98. And I was talking about the 35th anniversary, and you had, you know, the uh, the Cerebro's version of the X Men, and uh, the, you know, it's it just feels so long ago. And I mean, it is 20 years ago, but at the same time, like there are certain things that don't feel that long ago from that period. But because of how fast comics move now and how quickly status quos have changed, like if you were to look at the X Men status quo in the last like 15 years, how many times it's gone through major you know changes, it would probably boggle your mind. Like it's kind of nuts. Um, but uh, so mutant X. So this basically, uh, you had X Factor, I guess one forty nine, and then that book ended, and then you had this mutant X kind of following up on the character of Havoc, and you kind of see what happens to him next. Now, as I said, the credited writers on this volume are Howard Mackey, who's a friend of the show and has been on prior episodes, uh, Jay Farber and Ben Rab. Uh, the uh, total pencilers who have done work in these 17 issues in an annual include Tom Rainey, Kerry Nord, Pasquale Ferry, Mike S. Miller, and Javier Salteras with Yancy Labat, J.J. Kirby, Michael Kaluta, John Amita Sr., John Byrne, J.G. Jones, and Michael Golden. That is a lot. And then you look at inkers. you got Andrew Papoy, uh, Pasquale Ferry, and Salim Crawford with Walden Wong, Scott Elmer, Johnny Green, Derek May, Scott Koblish, Harry Candelario, uh, Michael W.M. Kaluta, John Amita Sr., John Byrne, J.G. Jones, and Michael Golden. So I'm pretty sure the last few are just pinups, and I can't remember now. Um, and the covers by Tom Rainey and Andrew Papoy. And the, basically, you have um, Alex Summers wakes up in another time, in another place, in the mind of an Alex Summers who basically has just been blasted um, by an energy blast from a sentinel, knocked into the water, and basically dies, or is about dying. And you have this soul from this other, uh, from the havoc from our universe, who is trapped in an explosion, I think Greystone's explosion, trying to go back to the his own time he's from bishop's time and suddenly he you know kind of basically his soul merges with this version of havoc and then he wakes up in this other universe and he's part of a very different team he's married to madeline Pryor. he's part of a team called the six this is where you have the introduction of of um, the bloodstorm version of storm you have the brute who's a version of beast um you have an ice man who's you know basically i think he's permanently stuck in ice you have a version of uh warren called the fallen um so it's a very different continuity and this is where you know Howard Mackey really gets to have a lot of fun because you have a version of the X-Men that are very different Um, you know the entire Marvel Universe is different Um, and he really gets to kind of play with it and do different, very different types of stories. And like you have different versions of Fantastic Four of of Cyclops eventually shows up you you again have the idea that the, uh, the the X continuity went in a very different direction. You have Madeline Pryor slowly becoming the Goblin Queen, and again you have a you have a version of Alex Summers who knows how events should have gone. And this is like kind of like a giant what if in terms of some of these characters because um, they just went in a slightly different direction and, and things ended up going very poorly. Uh, Brute, for example, is a you know a, a very primitive version of Hank McCoy. Um, in terms of how, you know how he became you know devolved. 
Uh, so and even with Bloodstorm, like she, you know, she was, you know, she did never really recovered from being turned into a vampire. So there's a lot of really cool stuff in here. Um, I really do recommend it. It's it's a hodgepodge at times, but for the most part, it's a lot of fun. It's an alternate reality story. You know, everything kind of is is different and not as familiar as it should. And that that, that first year is really exciting because it's all kind of building to this big climax. Uh, I feel like after that, it, maybe Howard Mackey both didn't know where to go, but also felt more free to just experiment with this universe. Um, you know, bringing in Gambit, uh, bringing in a swashbuckling version of Scott Summers. Um, it just felt very different. And I love the version of Scott Summers that shows up and even the version of Captain America who eventually shows up. So um, I've also always really enjoyed this uh, this material. And so the fact that they're finally collecting it is really exciting to me because um, this is kind of one of those books that I thought probably wouldn't be collected, but uh, would be really cool if it did. And you know, eventually they decided, hey, let's let's give people this this weird X-Men offshoot book. What's, what's most disappointing about this is that this is my favorite version of Havoc um, because Havoc got to become a true leader, uh, wasn't in Cyclops' shadow at all, and really got to become you know a really big leading man. And then the minute he shows back up in the prime Marvel Universe, it's the stupidest way possible. Like, he, I believe he wakes up in a coma and he's been tended to by Annie and then he kind of falls in love with this doctor and then he almost gets married to Lorna. Like, it was just a lot of weird stuff and I don't think the characters ever really rebound well um he's had some good moments i mean uncanny avengers are definitely really cool when he you know ended up being with uh the wasp and um when they had that kind of whole timeline they ended up getting averted but they had like a family like that was all really cool havoc stuff but have good havoc stories are few and far between and i just felt that this focus on him as a character and really letting him spread his wings was so cool and that for the most part, it, it's unta- it's you know it's just been forgotten that he had all these cool adventures and this whole cool existence. Uh, Marvel's kind of forgotten that it existed for the most part, although apparently someone remembers because obviously we got this trade paperback. But you know, in terms of the uh, people actually writing the adventures of Havoc, you don't really get a lot of people uh, remembering this stuff. Um, this particular collection was edited by Mark D. Beasley. So I guess we should all thank Mark Beasley for putting this together. Uh, research and layout was done by Jeff York as well. So he's on the Marvel Masterworks forum. So definitely thank him. Thank Mark Beasley for putting this together. Because um, this is this is one of those books that I always was hoping would be released. And eventually I could put it on my shelf proudly. And, you know, it's a great kind of story that only exists within its own continuity. You don't really need to know much else going on. I mean, obviously it pivots on certain key moments of Marvel continuity, but I feel like you could probably just read it and follow along because it gives you what you need to go on. Uh, if you have a, a, an inkling of who these characters are supposed to be or what's supposed to be happening with them, obviously it'll mean more and seeing them in these weird new ways will be kind of crazier, but it'll still be cool. Anyways, that is uh, that's the episode for today. Those are those are my uh, birthday gifts this year, so I'm excited to really hunker into those. I have not yet bought an indestructible Hulk, but I'm definitely considering it doing it very shortly because they have that one copy left. Although it does say there's more on the way. Uh, there's just something about being able to have that next to uh, this Hulk co- collection, um, being able to kind of read that whole kind of run, uh, which is very cool. But again, even if you just started with this version of Hulk by Mark Wade and Jerry Duggan, it gives you what you need. Uh, there's a few characters that were introduced in Indestructible Hulk, but you pick it up pretty easily. Anyways, thank you for listening to this episode. As I prattle on about my gifts, you can reach me at uh, comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Like the show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and you can also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again for listening to us. Uh, we'll catch you next time. You'll, you'll have an episode tomorrow on Monday the 10th of December. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.